Welcome, travelers, everybody. We are back. Another week of the Fiona and Cake miniseries, I'm guessing. It seems like there's going to be another season, which I'm very excited for. Uh, yeah. I, as always, am one of your co-hosts, Russell. Uh, we are so excited to get into episode eight. And with me, as always, is, uh, you know, I know y'all know him as a DJ Netty P., I, I got to reveal something in case you don't know. Maybe we've revealed this in the past. With me, this recording, and maybe always, uh, depending on how you look at it, is Jerry. Jerry is with me, this recording. Yes. Yes, Hello, Jerry. Jerry. It is me, Jerry. If you guys didn't know, my my lovelies and my sexies out there, my full name is Jerry Ned Pruitt III. So, yes. <laughs> um, if, yeah, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that already. But, and funny um, enough, so is yeah. the Lich. The Lich's real name <laughs> so, is also Jerry Ned apparently Pruitt. Apparently so. <laughs> apparently the Lich's name is Jerry, according to, to oh. BMO in this episode. Hey, just, so. like, just like BMO, I'm just goosing, y'all. I'm goosing. I'm goosing. It's Ned. DJ Nettie P is with me as always. Yeah, that's what the uh, J and DJ stands for, right? It's, it's, is that, I don't know what the D stands for What's yet. the D Do- stand for? Dr. Jerry Ned Brun. That's, that's <laughs> no, my father. You're no doctor. Yeah, well, your father is actually, yes. So. It is. Um, so he is the, maybe the original DJ Nettie P. Maybe so. <laughs> well, welcome. This is uh I'm super pumped to talk about this episode. Jerry is phenomenal. I've got a little group chat going with the two friends here in Nashville, and they were just like, just wait till you get the Jerry. Wait till you get the Jerry. It's so, so good. And I didn't know what to expect. My emotions were uh I was really sad at one moment, and we'll get into mm-hmm. that. I was I was pumped and freaking out at another moment. And I feel like this episode for me, as someone who's um, you know, getting into Adventure Time for the f- first time, I just, I could not believe the ride, well, this miniseries, but this episode has taken me on. It was yeah, it was just a cruise, and then all of a sudden, I was like, holy crap, this might be one of my favorite episodes of Adventure Dang. Time ever. So, I'm very excited for this. Well, like, I mean, are we talking about a specific storyline, or just like, because it pretty much does not let you take an emotional break the whole episode. Is that kind of like why you're saying like you like it so much? Well, there are little breaks, right? I think the breaks and maybe what we talk about first is kind of the more dull side of this. Cause like the last episode we had, uh, you know, the counterpart, the, the B or the C story was we're talking about Marshall Lee and we were talking about, um, what is his name? Jeez. Uh, Pepper, princess Bubblegum but, Gary. and Gary. Gary. We're talking about Gary. And so this kind of C plot that we get this episode is Scarab. And it's what's mm-hmm. happening in the Scarab. And those moments are used to kind of like ease you back, let you breathe for a moment and, you know, chill out. And we can maybe start talking about Scarab. But the the rest of it, as we'll get into, I just felt like it built really well. I I really thought this was going to be holy crap and I have not seen the ending of Adventure Time yet cuz in the podcast we are through season 5 right at the beginning of season 5. There is a story of Betty and Ice King Simon who I've wanted to know so much more about this entire time and finally mm-hmm. all this was revealed to me. Ned, did you know all of this already? Did you know no. the background? No, so you don't really know any bit of story except for they were both like 
scientific researcher. She was equally as scientific as he was. So this this aspect of the story of like, how did this come to be? In in my, I guess, mind canon, I always thought that she was like a co-researcher with him. So this kind of kicking off, and I noticed at the beginning of the episode, she calls him like Dr. Petrikov. And so I was like, okay, so we're not in the realm of them going on this adventure in the jungle with them already being in a relationship, which I thought was cool. That means like, even from the get-go, I was like, okay, we're going to get the whole story of how he went from Dr. Petrikov to Betty to Simon, um, yeah. which I think is a really well-told story. And man, I could tell the song at the end too, like their, their song their that's song. together. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife was in the other room when I was watching this and she just like, <laughs> like screams out. She's like, are you crying over there? You know, I was like, no, I'm not <laughs> crying. I'm not crying. It's just it like, it was a, cute, cute, yes. cute, cute. Oh my gosh. That's, I was like, what a romantic moment. It kind of weirdly reminded me, oh my gosh, I'm just thinking about this right now. For whatever reason, it really reminded me of the moment. And is it a very goofy movie where Goofy and his librarian? Uh, oh girlfriend, yeah, they had that whole like montage. Yeah, and she like he walks, or maybe she does. She yeah. walks. No, he her walks hands. his his hands <laughs> up her arm, and like she does to it the back mood to rings, him. Their mood rings like touch or something and start the glow. It's a yeah. very similar vibe. Uh, yeah, if you've ever well, seen and, that. It's, and they're at a they're at a college too, so it's got like yep. a little similar vibe. They're both you know at the bus stop, which might be the, the case stop. as well in the Goofy movie. Did they just rip off a very Goofy movie? They may have just. <laughs> ripped off a very goofy movie. Extremely goofy movie. Extremely, yes. Oh, dude, when you're a kid and you're watching that crap and it's like, they're skateboarding and they're and all these awesome things. I I think I watched that this year too. I watched both of those movies this year. It's just instant classics too. But yeah, we don't tangent. No, we don't tangent. So the story though, and why I think a reason why I loved it so much, I thought it was so good. It was a device, sorry, it was a device to inform the viewer Something that they probably, and what I was getting at, like they probably really wanted to know. I'm surprised you're not more excited about this, but they use it to inform the viewer of this incredible background while also mm-hmm. letting Fiona, like like soothing her to help her get through exactly. this episode. Yeah. It's used both. And I think that's like the best case scenario. If you can inform your your viewer and also like get to something that matters for other characters in the episode, like have that dual meaning. I, I mm-hmm. thought it was done so well. I, I'm really surprised you weren't more in love with this episode or at least that part of this episode. I, I like, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was great. And I've got like a lot of deep thoughts about it too. But I mean, your point to it being used as the story aspect is what I really liked because Fiona's for the last, I mean, since we left, um, the Winter King's universe, I guess really there's only been like two episodes. She's been kind of crumbling into becoming a little bit more depressed, becoming like, okay, like I want to get back to my universe, but it, it, she is starting to realize, and this is, I guess, part of just like growing up, that uh, her actions have consequences and that Simon, although it is a selfless act of him to be like, I'm going to become the Ice King so that you can get back to your universe, she almost like doesn't want it. And I think everything, she's realizing that everything's her fault, that um, she quote unquote can't do anything right. And and Simon's story is what kind of is helping her like cope through a hard time. So I, I love that just in the sense that like when we were kids and like when we were like, I don't know, trying to go to bed when we were scared, like parents would tell you a story. It, mm-hmm. it, escapism in, in, through storytelling is a very, 
uh, uh, cathartic experience, yeah. but um, I, not an I unhealthy wonder, form of escapism. I, I do wonder, like, at the beginning of this episode, when they're getting to the deserted ooh, right? Mm-hmm. And Simon expresses to her, and maybe this played into setting up, okay, we're going to use this story to help her find some sort of re- internal resolve where he's expressing that, like, hey, even your best intentions, like, best intended actions even, can have negative effects on those that you're trying to protect, right? So he mentions that, like, Marceline, right? And it still hurt her in the long run. And so maybe she's seeing that a little bit. This episode plays into, like, Cake and Fiona's immediate, like, they're kind of button heads a bit because the last episode... He yeah. was stopped. Cake was stopped from getting the vampire the king's crown. crown. And Fiona will now they're stuck in this world. Constantly in the last episode, Fiona was keeping Cake from being her cakeiest cake, and that yeah. was a big thing that kept frustrating Cake. And it was it's probably a little bit Fiona internalizing like, is Cake better off without me? Which we know is not the case. And Finn and Jake deal with some of that through the show, you know, like yeah. in dungeon when they were like, I can do this adventure better than you can. Uh, let's go on our separate paths and like, so who can, who can do the dungeon better? Um, and that, I don't think Fiona's quite seen how like they can complement each other. I don't think cake's seen that either because cake's very uh, holding Fiona at, on arm's way. distance. Well, I mean, I would be too. I'm, I yeah. also agree with cake where like you've been given a voice, you've been given sentience, and you've been given yes. stretchy powers, which is like a bonus on top of awesome. all of that. So she's um, she's totally thriving. I think her desire to stay in this world and it kind of, you know, we talked about these things last episode, some where like her desires are selfish. And at the same time, Fiona's made all these mistakes is making her world magical, a mistake for everybody in that world because it's a decision exactly. for them that they don't get to decide for themselves. But obviously mm-hmm. Cake wants it. But during this episode... Fiona is constantly treating Cake a little bit like a house cat. And she yeah. just was her house cat. So I, I get that. Like she grabbed her to protect her from BMO. And she didn't like, obviously, Kate doesn't need that. Kate just fought vampires <laughs> like, yeah. and, and saved the day, turned into a giant tank for Princess Bubblegum. Like she doesn't need you to protect her from something underneath well, the yeah. couch. And, and Fiona needs to get out of her own head about that. Is like she keeps protecting Cake as if it was the house cat because if Kate gets hurt, Fiona is going to internalize that and say, this was my fault. This is my fault that Kate got hurt. It's my fault we're in this situation. When at this point, it's at this point along, it's not Fiona's fault. Like if Kate wants to go off and like fight vampire demons and Kate dies, it like Fiona's going to go, oh, that was so my fault and all this is going on. No, this is Kate's choice. Like Kate, Kate is gaining the independence to make her own choices for the first time ever, essentially ever, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and Cake's like, dude, you can't take that away from me. And so yeah. it's Fiona doing her internal battle with Cake going, I'm this whole new person, pretty much. And they're butting heads over it, for sure. And yeah. no, nothing's necessarily quite resolved. I think even by the end of this episode, when they're fighting over the crown and like... um. Fiona doesn't like again. It's essentially like, uh, who takes the fall for what I want? Is it Simon that goes crazy, becomes the Ice King again, so we can have our magical world? Um, and you know that bodes well for Cake. But no matter what, like even if Fiona goes back into her universe and she knows that she's living in the Ice King's crazy head, she's never going to be happy. And I think that mm-hmm. that's why she finds the crown and hides it. And she's like, I got to find a 
a different solution because it's not, what, what does she say? Um, nobody should die being who they, you know, or it, it, everybody dies, but everybody dies who they want to be, being who they are. I thought that yeah. was like kind of really a cool, deep concept there. No, but, I, I get it. I think Fiona goes through a, a real arc in this episode, which is another reason why I like it. I think she's finally showing her inner fin. She's finally accepting her actions. Mm -hmm. And she does this, uh, my thought was with the crown, right? Obviously she's very selflessly in my mind, doesn't want to give Simon the crown because she saw in those videotapes the, the craziness. Yeah. What Finally what sees life the he was for who he was, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a good life. And, and he's willing to do that for her, but she is so selfish previously, so selfishly trying to make that occur. And so it was, yeah, I mean, it was like her kind of realizing maybe this isn't best for Simon. Maybe, maybe we don't need to do this if there's a way to succeed or move on from this world without Simon getting the crown. Maybe mm -hmm. we can find another solution. Like, honestly, if we're just being real, Cake being a, a magical cat now, why would she, she doesn't need to go back to her universe. Just yeah. stay in, you know, ooh, prime, like live your life, live your best life. Well, I mean, who, all you know is Fiona, you know, you're a house cat. Uh, anyways. Well, and stupid. some of this, some of this has to be stemmed from now, like universe jumping that, you know, Fiona and Cake's universe, that's where all their friends are. Um, I wouldn't even necessarily say family because I don't know if really Fiona and Cake have family in this universe. They want to save their friends in that universe. But like, again, if there's any bit of self-awareness, whether it goes back to normal, like whether it's just normal Fiona and Cake world or whether it's magical Fiona and Cake world, if Fiona's self-aware that anything else is out there, it's going to be really hard to, to settle in that world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, hmm. So I don't know. I, I could see very much like almost Fiona holding out being like, I either just don't want resolve in this yet until I find a better solution. And maybe the show ends with like, again, Fiona is going to be some sort of like interdimensional, either cosmic being or interdimensional adventurer that like she protects all universes. She doesn't just protect one like, or just her own. I don't know. That's, that's oh, maybe man. mine theoretically speaking of this episode. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I'm so curious where we're going this next episode. I mean, just looking at the, the whatever the image, right, when you're about to watch it on, on HBO Max, it's definitely not the same animation, which really is kind of yeah, confusing get, me where, where we're going. We, it reminds me a little bit of the, we'll, we'll talk about that next week, but of the, yeah. um, the BMO 8-bit episode a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen, I mean, we haven't watched the next episode yet, so clearly like our thoughts this episode are going to be entirely based off of what we know from Jerry and Pryor. Um, but, you know, my, I guess my theoretically speaking is that, like, we're finally going to get to see a magical Fiona and Cake world. I mean, uh, he mm -hmm. does not put the crown on at the end there. He falls into the hole with Scarab. Uh, and then, of course, you see Golb or Glob? Golb? I don't know. Yeah, you see Golb at the end. Golb yeah. in, the, in the eye of the Lich, which I have thoughts even, like, in my opinion, and I thought, you know, we were talking about who's going to be the main antagonist. Is the Lich the main antagonist now? I know he's I, in this world. I think he's, we've flipped it to, to we flipped this the script here, that the Lich is now the main antagonist because the Lich is in this world. And so we're, we're getting right into the end of this yeah, episode already. I know, dude. We're just hopping into it. No, it's good. It's good. I, it, as long as the, as I said, it's it just, we're flowing where we yeah. get to that point. The, the Lich in this world has achieved what he wanted to achieve. Yes. Pretty much in 
across the universe, but this world, he obviously just ends all life in this world, uh, yeah. this universe alone. So also, did you see that? that I, I noticed that when they were watching the Ice King tapes, the last tape, yeah. the very skeleton. last clip, you see him turn to a skeleton, which yep. was the moment that apparently the Lich, um, but the Lich is, the Lich. that's why Simon says he's depressed. He's yeah. done his duty and now he's just sitting away rotting in a cave. Um, I guess to semi semi depressed for but either or plotting or planning or anything like that. But the end scene here is so important because he uses the lich's uh, you know magical battery power to be able to op- reopen his portal, which is I guess he's pretty confident that that's what his magic spell does now. But as soon as he sees Simon tied to the crown and Scarab, who's about to slice Simon up with a magic sword. Um, in his realm, he reverses the magic, shocks them both, and opens up a red portal, and then has his you talking know, about crazy, gold, not the lich, right? Well, the lich, I think, opens up this portal. Remember how Simon's original goal was to open up a portal because Betty yeah. was essentially digested, eaten, yeah. eaten by gold. So, well, here's the my lich, thought. I mean, I I, yeah. I disagree, but I think. This isn't the Lich's actions. I think the Lich is as, you know, we come upon Lich and let's at least- He is the, the last scene, scholar touch. of Golb. So last he scholar is, of Golb. Yes. Which he probably wants to meet Golb too, right? Uh, I mean, obviously. So mm-hmm. he says, Ice Wizard. Uh, so you have Risen again, which is interesting. So he's taking acknowledgement, but then he kind of subdues his power a little bit or goes back to being t- completely like asleep or whatever. And Simon concludes that they're not in danger. Like maybe the Lich is depressed whatever. I mean, here's the thing. He obviously, the Lich got his wish. If we go back to season five, episode one, or was it two? Mm-hmm. I can't remember when it happens. You have the Lich wishing that life ceased to exist on this planet. And so if we can make the conclusion that farm world, the farm world wish created farm world, then we could probably also conclude that there was a dual split wish where one world had the Lich making the wish come true and everyone dying and then the other wish or the well, other world it, is normal. Almost. almost. There, there's an episode coming up. Uh, we've, we've talked about it a little bit, but essentially um, the Lich, I'm trying to think of how it, gets dismembered and his body dismemberment gets thrown into a portal where you see it like spread across a bunch of different universes. So that's, yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know how to like phrase it without giving think, you exactly what happens, no, but... Yeah. Well, without having too much context, I I don't think that even plays into what I'm saying. Like, I think there's a split of worlds. You have a lich now in a world where everyone ceased to exist, which is this deserted or completely. Oh, so you think that this is, this is the this is the world where the lich, yes, the first lich's wish came true. Yes, this is that. Okay. This is what that is, and so yeah, because he why is in Billy's body, so that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, and that's why when you're getting the Ice King's videotapes and you're watching that, you have the very last moment of the videotapes, you see a frame. I think it's just like one or two frames of the mm-hmm. skeleton, which right. is the moment when, and Bimo says earlier in this episode, Bimo's like, look, everybody, everybody, all of a sudden, everybody was skeletons. And then Jerry came, you know, and he's super nonchalant about it. And that's what this is. This is the world where the, the wish came true mm-hmm. and the lich is sitting there. Therefore, he's killed all life. Now he has nothing to do. When they walk into his chamber, this is him being like, holy crap, there's more people like 
my my wish isn't truly true or whatever. I have to get rid of these people. Uh, so you see his eyes start to glow as events occur around him, as Scarab comes back, as the um, the ice wizard is doing his his chant to make the portal come out of his head, right? So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, now Jerry, the lich, is paying attention. He's curious what's going on. My thought is that that portal that drops, that hole that drops them down mm-hmm. is red, is gold. You see gold appear in the lich's eyes. I think gold took over the lich's body or essence in that moment in order to take them to gold as opposed to have yeah. the lich do whatever. But I think the lich is going to see this and somehow he's going to go about to go after them or go through the portal with them to gold. So I think this is Gold's doing as opposed to the lich's doing. And the lich now is reinvigorated and he's like, holy crap. I, instead of just taking out life on this planet, you know what I need to do? I need to take yeah. out life everywhere. I got to yeah. take out life it's, in the entire multiverse. Yeah, I think, well, and I think that that's why he takes advantage of that moment. One, because Scarab has the like crazy crystal Simon has the crown, so he's like, okay, I'm getting all these like crazy interdimensional magic like items, and I think he's like, this is my opportunity. I think it's still the Lich doing it because he's just a servant of Golb, and like maybe again, I think Golb's ultimate end is to destroy all life in the universe, and that's why the Lich is. Oh, so um, Golb is also trying to do that? Yeah, Gol- Golb's also evil. Like, oh, what? Golb is, yeah. Oh gosh. So, yeah, this it's yeah that's. That's again, well, no wonder think, he's a scholar of gold. That makes yeah. so much it's, sense. It's more okay. of like he's a servant to like whatever. Again, the liches want to like think the monsters that existed in in our canon, this little canon we're creating in this podcast. The <laughs> lich is one of the monsters that existed at the beginning of time, but he's not necessarily one of these like celestial beings like Golb, like Scarab, like Prismo, uh, like um, Orbo or anything like that. So the lich, in order to serve Golb, being like, hey, I am destroying life across all these universes, and now we've got this cosmic being, and now I've got an ice crown that obviously the the jewels can power interdimensional, interuniversal travel. And so this is maybe mm-hmm. the Lich sees this as his opportunity to be like, I can do this, and now I can do this across all universes. And that's why he just like yeah. he's like gold portal, boom, let's suck them, let's go serve gold. Do so you think gold was just uh like watching, that's why yeah. you see gold. But yeah. it's just so fascinating to me that the color of the portal was not the lich's green. It was this red. I think it's dark going red. into into whatever dimension or cosmic realm that gold is in. That's why I think. Okay. That. Mm. So I guess this does kind of completely negate the fact that we were like, oh, maybe the ultimate boss of Scarab was gold. I, I yeah, that I think can't that, be I case. think that negates that one for sure. Yeah. Well, tell me about who is Scarab's boss. We we get to meet the freaking cool guy yeah. boss of Scarab this episode. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Orbo. <laughs> uh, I I think I think it's funny that now that we're first of all uh, Scarab, we learned from the last episode gets sucked into essentially a cosmic DMV where he's just <laughs> yes. like chilling in a waiting room and. You see all these other beings and there's a weird interdimensional clock and he's just waiting to see his boss. So I think that there, it is funny that there is a, um, you know, hierarchical tree of command amongst cosmic beings. Yeah. Um, and that Orbo, 
all these beings want to be chill. And I, I mean, I could probably see that if you're like this weird in like time doesn't matter. Space doesn't matter. Cosmic being, it it could lend you to either be like Arab where you just got a tight butthole all the time, or it could (laughs) lend you to be like Prismo and Orba where it's just like, Hey, like we're, we got it under control and they kind of end up being chill dudes. Yeah, Prismo's a cool guy. They can't do anything wrong. He's He's not quitting his own multiverse for, or universe for the sake of like his own doing. Like he's too cool, right? He would never do that. Just be, just be cool with Scorbo. Like you're too stuck up and I'm Mr. Cool guy. And for whatever reason, when, like what you're saying, like we're a frat, like we're just all, all yeah, about it kind of it puts off hang. like frats, That's what it is. frat vibes. And and even some of the other um, cosmic beings we see when they zap to kind of like, I don't know, the purple crystal palace, whatever, probably Orbo's house, like I court assume. Or something. Yeah, Orbo's yeah. court. Um, then those other guys, again, gets my tops of the episode when Garib goes <laughs> oh, on his really? big rant. He's like, he says, talks about, you know, Prismo creates the universe. Let me finish my job. He kind of goes on this monologue. And the little multi-faced turtle person just gives one like clap. <laughs> I yeah. was like, I thought that was so funny. Oh, but I guess my, my top to the episode. Dude, I, I think in my opinion, I mean, Orbo is the most punchable character in this episode easily. Like punchable. Okay. Yeah, most punchable. I mean, dude, here here's the thing. If you're in high school and you got a summer job or you got a job after school or something like that, Orbo's the boss you want. Orbo's the boss that's yeah. just like all about having a good time. Like don't worry about it, man. You messed up. It's okay. Like you're learning. I'm just here, you know, probably smoking something illegal. Like it's all good. Like that's how <laughs> yeah, high school got, boss. He's got the pit boss sunglasses on. Yeah. Cool yeah, guy, totally. Australian accent. Now you graduate from college, right? Or you go and get a master's degree or whatever, or you're in your, even if you didn't go to college, you're in your in career or you're pursuing your dreams. That's not the boss you want. The boss you want is someone who's going to be professional and is going to recognize your hard work. You don't need to be scarab, but Orbo is too chill, and that is not the boss that's going to help you get to the top and help you rise up above everyone else in your field. And so, Orbo is my most punchable character in this okay. episode. I, I I got you. I I didn't dislike him. I feel like if we see much more negligence from him, I will dislike him a little bit more. But we, okay. all we've seen is that again. Prismo knows Scarab from the past. Like he's like, oh, when we we used to all call you like Scrabby. So all these guys again probably like quote unquote came up with each other, whatever yeah. time that means. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, and that like Scarab was obviously like the uncool guy of everybody. So definitely. Um, yeah. But or- Orbo just threatens him, just like, I'm gonna move remove your legs, dude. Like you're not being chill. Get the F out of here. Like your legs are coming off. And Prismo's cool. Prismo's hanging out. We're good with Prismo. Uh, and I guess the actual boss, the phone comes down, is who intercedes. Who, mm-hmm. And that's who stops who I, this from occurring. I still have, I think because we got introduced to Orbo, they might have to be introducing another character. I don't know this. The true boss? The okay. true boss. It would be hilarious if it was some version of Jake. Because... yeah. The only thing I could think about is because the phone is yellow and it drops okay. down as if it was stretchy. So, what if it's just, I mean, I have no context for the later seasons of Adventure Time, but what if it's Finn and Jake and, and they're just chilling up in some like upper I, dimension? Yeah, it, it would be a stretch because then it would be like, is this oh, our prime stretch. Finn and Jake? I, I think we would be 
making too many loose ends that we could tie yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just because we got a really good like resolve with them through the Distant Lands HBO series, we got a really good resolve with kind of their cool. um, reincarnation story type thing. So I, I, it would be a stretch, but like Let's something about yeah. the ultimate boss being kind of like an interdimensional cosmic Jake, possibly, which would yeah. be kind of funny in my opinion. A really good hmm. way. It would be a way that they could do it to be like that's why there's a stretchy a stretchy Jake dog in every universe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. We kind of passed through this. I just want to mention my tops of the episode has yeah. got to be the Lich reveal. That mm-hmm. moment was so freaking cool. Cause you walk past Jerry's house and of course this whole world's deserted and be just like, Oh yeah, that's, that's where Jerry lives. Like he's super cool. He's tall. He's got good jokes. <laughs> like, he's got good jokes. Don't even worry about it. And he keeps mentioning Jerry. Like, Bima just doesn't even know what's going on this episode. Mm-hmm. But when you go back, when they finally take his, like, hey, like, she was feeling Bima. Like, she is like, Bima's awesome. Which She's feeling I, Bima I get for it. sure. Like, Bima is that awesome. But she goes, hey, like, we should tell Jerry. Like, clearly, Jerry meant a lot to Bima. Jerry has the right to know what's going on. And when they freaking go down those steps and you see some skeletons and it gets a little creepy. And then out of nowhere, it's the freaking lich because Simon's freaking out. And then the lich says, cease. And then everything goes black, yeah, dude. That's, that's I the, the ultimate lich it. moment. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that yeah, was the, so good. The one word lich, like power over them is such like, an epic moment. But I think I was a little less shocked by it. If, if I had just binged this show, if I just like watched it through, probably more mind blown, but more because we're breaking each episode down. And I yeah. was like, He's coming back. He's coming back. We've we've introduced it. We've had too many like cameos of like little liches in other universes that he's creeping somewhere and this gotta come back into play at some point. So I was a little, a little less shocked. I was kind of like ready for this to happen because again, in this universe, all we see is Wasteland and Bemo. And we realize, you know, Bemo even has he's like my hero heart. And technically Bemo is like not quote unquote life. Um, so also we could weirdly assume that his his bravest little heart, his bravest little hero. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. But it's funny. We could probably obviously assume that the other Mo's exist somewhere in this universe. If Mm -hmm. BMO's alive, but also BMO has the purest of like the Mo's heart. And we'll get into that episode later. Um, and that's probably why BMO is, he's gotta be your lovely. He's oh, got to yeah. be your Bimo's, lovely. Bimo's obviously the lovely. <laughs> There's no question. There's no question. Oh my gosh. I, I loved him from, from moment one. He's, or Bimo's just goosing everybody, right? Yeah. That moment when he's sitting there and, and he's like, holy crap, I got an idea. Like your story about love is so sweet. Like the power of love is so powerful, I think is what mm-hmm. Bimo says. We can jumpstart the remote with my heart. And did you think like... What was your reaction to that? Because I freaking I, I paused was, the episode yeah, and went, what the, you know, was, like. Well, the burial scene gave me like super Dobby vibes from Harry Potter when they buried Dobby yeah. in Harry Potter. And it's just like sad. Like, but I could you like, believe they actually killed Bimo? Like, in this, Well, in this universe, yeah. I'm like, I'm not surprised. So the, in, in Distant okay. Lands, there is a very similar scene to where Bimo, in, in, a, in a different way, but like sacrifices herself to... Um, save someone else, and that Bimo is ultimately the most selfless character in all of Adventure Time. Um, mm. 
literally is just like, I want to go on adventures. And if I can do something helpful for people that deserve it, I will do it. And BMO is the ultimate character of like Mm. wonderful selflessness. And so the fact that BMO does this um, is not surprising to me. Now the fact that they, I think they are juxtaposing that. Kill him. (laughs) Well, they're juxtaposing it, I think, to one of the last big BMO stories they ever did, which was BMO sacrifices herself to save her friend and is able to be like put back together essentially. And then they're doing this to be like, look, that doesn't play out this way in every universe, you know? Mm -hmm. So I I was sad, but not shocked. I should say. I think what bothered me, I mean, I had no idea it was coming. That totally was just the wildest thing to me. The regret that BMO has on the last moment because he's so happy. And then all of a sudden his face stops smiling. He goes, whoops. And then he explodes. And it's just so much sadder that there was a little bit of regret in BMO's mind when that occurred. I mean, truly the bravest little heart and Kate Mm -hmm. ends up touching him and turning him into, because as we know, like like I guess because they don't, yeah, because that whole thing about them not supposed to be here, maybe, or whatever their universe position on the planet curve, whatever. Interdimensional, like turn back to normal, which means there could be some redemption arc for, for this universe's BMO. Um, yeah. Oh, man. It just freaking killed me. And that's why I was like, we got to start recording our uh, our reactions sometimes because my reaction to that moment was <laughs> freaking wild. I did not expect to feel that much for BMO. So, yeah, and it almost makes but, me sad knowing that he does something like that again later. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll get there. Yeah. The, the Distant Lands one is a very fun. Um, it's, it's really, really weird for a while. And then the ending moment is kind of like, Okay, you you get BMO like you you understand BMO's characteristic yeah. like totally in in the the universe that BMO's supposed to live in. So yeah, oh, all that being said, that was yeah, I'd say that was sadder of the moments in the episode. But we do yeah. get, I wouldn't say sad um, because we have broken down. I think a huge part of this episode in general is just like relationships, like relationships in general with friends, with romances, and. One, that's beautiful because I think that's just like what's Adventure Time's all about. We discuss the the difficulty of the friendship um, either, but you know, between Fiona and Cake, either in a uh, you're my pet mentality or you're my best friend and I don't want you to get hurt mentality. But obviously the flip side of, of the story is Simon and Betty, which we do need to talk about too. So that's, well, that's like, yeah. um, but this, I, 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 you, we were talking before the podcast uh, and Russell was like, did you not think this was the craziest thing between Simon and Betty? And I'm like, I don't think it's crazy, but it's a really, really great story, which I think either when we were possibly talking, I think in episode one or two of this Fiona and Cake series, I was like, man, what was their relationship like if he's so fucking codependent on her? Was was it unhealthy? Was it... How did it start? Was Betty as into him as he was into her? And so I think this is a beautiful way to bring that all together. Um, yeah. And I'll start with my high level, and I want to hear kind of like like if your thoughts okay. straight along this same kind of like deep thought line is that she is kind of like obsessed with him, kind of like fan-based obsessed with him. Yeah, and initially um, she, there's admiration for sure. There's admiration, like... She's the one that comes up to him after the lecture. He's like, I'm going on this thing. It'd be so great to have you. And she's like, I'll go with you. 
she just immediately drops everything, drops her Australia trip, goes with him. Um, yeah. She shreds down, not shreds down, but like opens up a whole new aspect of him. Um, even this old Simon you could see was so business oriented. He was so methodical, so only focused on work, only focused on being safe that she brings out another side of him, um, mm -hmm. of something that is adventurous. And it made me think like, is this why Ice King is so drawn to Finn also in, in our universe that Finn's adventurous, Finn's fun. Finn doesn't do things by the book. And yeah. that his core is like really drawn to Finn as a friend because he needs somebody around him to be, to be his best self, to be his most adventurous self, that he's really methodical and thought out and planning. Takes and his time. Yeah. Takes his time. Um, that's one aspect of it. And the second aspect of, again, this is just as I'm, I'm ranting because I got to get it all out on paper. Okay. And then I want to hear your reaction. I'm not going to just rant <laughs> okay. over you. Don't worry. Um, is that when Betty basically puts herself out there for him. She's like, I'm all about him. I'm all about this relationship. Uh, I'm going to leave this note for you, professing my love, basically. Um, but then she still gives him the room to be like, look, if the best thing for you is to just keep going with your work, to find the Enchiridion, then do it. I, she wants the best for Simon. And she's like, I'm going to go off and do my thing. I wish that I could be with you. I wish I could do these adventures with you. But if that's not part of your goal, that's okay with me. And as long as you're happy. And I think that that is the ultimate thing of why I love this aspect of their relationship is that he, he doesn't give up anything for her, but he realizes that, that that's what true love is. Is somebody going, look, I could be selfish. I could be throwing myself at you. I could be forcing myself into your life, but I'm only going to do it if you want me to be a part of your life. And if you don't, then, and that makes you happy, then I'm willing to make that sacrifice for you. I loved that, that side of Betty. So yeah. she definitely gets a lot more redemption than I was giving her credit for when we, when we started the show off. So that, that's my five minute rant. And I would love to hear <laughs> I again, mean, you touched everything. I don't know. I had, where... to, I had to hit it all because if, if I didn't, that was what I was proud. That was what hit me the deepest in this episode was the mm -hmm. fact that she was so shook you hands with like him. <laughs> she gave him googly eyes. And then he yeah. was like, and she was like, no, this is your moment, man. Like you found the Enchiridion. This is your like life's work. Um, and if in, you know, I'm happy to be a part of it, but I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Um, mm -hmm. Let me know if you want me to be a part of any other adventures. So, and he does it and he, it, it eliminates the notion that I thought he was codependent on her. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do know what you mean. Wow. But okay. Uh, what, what was your deep thought? Just, <laughs> yeah. just in, maybe I hit on too much. Maybe I hit uh, on everything too many you were things. saying. Yeah. I mean, I had responses for many things, but, uh, I don't know exactly where they go from there. I, uh, you, you nailed it. I mean, clearly, uh, yeah. I mean, she definitely balances them out, or they balance each other out. She is slowed down by him. He is sped up by her in great ways. She's creative and crazy and wants to take her socks off and just walk through the river instead of trying to go slowly on these rocks that are slippery. Why would you do that? It's so much faster and easier like this, and you don't end up falling into the river. She wants to run through the rocks that have snakes in them because that's what she was taught or whatever. And it's goofy and it's fun and it's loud. 
and he thinks he should take his time with the rod and poke around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she gives him, sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to respond. She gives him a moment at the end of this episode at the bus stop and kind of it's, it's unintentional. It probably, I mean, purely luck that he comes across the note in the book that she was reading that was meant for him. And then she, he goes to well, the was, roommate, it was the, the roommate um, points when her they first to the met, bus stop. Remember, they, they reached for the same book when they first met and then he let her check it out. So he went back to check it out. So it was yeah, like semi luck. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely luck that it all, t- what I'm yeah. saying is the chances of him coming up and she's at the bus stop waiting a very romantically uh, yeah. fake yeah. lucky moment, right? Gorgeous, incredible story. We all uh, have romantic, crazy love stories just like that. But I, I really dig it. I thought it was incredible. I thought what I was trying to get at is the fact that he is this, you know, you know him as we keep ranting and saying, and you know her. And she's at the bus stop, and then he has to learn from all the moments that he had with her throughout this entire episode and throughout all of their adventure together that sometimes you you can't wait. Sometimes you can't hesitate. Sometimes you have mm-hmm. to say what you mean and what you want, and you have to just go for it. And that's what he does because the bus shows up, and he's still trying to think through. He's like, Oh my gosh, it was such a sweet note. Like, I can't believe you said that. Like, what he was trying to like like, rationalize it. Yeah. He was trying to like make some sort of like, oh, yeah. Like, I came here. He's not wearing his heart on his sleeve. He's like, oh, yeah. Like, you need to be careful how much information you put on random notes to strangers. Um, Yeah. He's, he's overthinking it and he needs to, he needs to rush and he needs to say his feelings because that's what she's done. She's put herself out there. And fortunately or unfortunately, the bus shows up. And it forces him to do that. But I think it's mm-hmm. he would never have done that if it wasn't for the fact that he yeah. learned from her or he feels from her that like comfortable yeah. with making yeah. a decision like that. And yeah, she, so, yeah, she was I the one that awesome. was she was the one that was doing those like risky moves and yeah. that he almost like learned from her how to be like, no, like I'm doing what's risky here. And or he's because like, he's with her. I want like, you. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, like I, I just love that the the love aspect of this and Adventure Time has a lot of different um, aspects on love. Just with what does it mean to love somebody? Brotherly love, loving you know Finn loving PB at the end of the show. It's not it's not a romantic love. It's just like you're my friend love and and romantic love. That this is one of those ones where they're like their love for each other is that like they bring out the best in each other. And I love that that's kind of maybe yeah. the arc that we're getting out of this. Again, I think Fiona and Cake is weirdly way more about Ice King and Simon than it is about anybody else in the show. But to be fair, I don't really think we didn't really see how he greatly affected her. Like she's the one who's making this incredibly selfless decision not to go to Australia. The six month trip that she already had planned for Australia, that's not an easy decision to make. Well, he just makes it, it on a whim. That probably took a ton of planning, right? Yeah, so, except for the fact that he is probably her muse. Like, again, she had his book. She was, it, like, if you said a super fan, like, or Stan, whatever you want to call it, of him, it sounds creepy. Um, however, like, if his work with all of the stuff that now she's, like, way into is what's her driving force, again, yeah. he is all of his work and his genius and his passion for 
you know, I guess, uh, what was, I, I can't remember the word, but past artifacts, um, is what inspires her to be a scientist. Then that, then, then that is kind of the give and take of, of Simon being his most Simon and how that attributes yeah. to who Betty is, you know, but we don't see how it affects her personality or how he no, affects no. her personality in any way. I mean, she's still kind of, uh, doing I, things on a whim and stuff. It'd be like, really hard not to make going her on the trip again. Yeah, it'd be really, we'd have to cram a lot of stuff into two episodes to make her a little bit more three-dimensional. So maybe we need to keep her two-dimensional in that regard. We don't need to see, yeah. like, yeah. Unless there's, again, if there, unless there's a whole episode that's focused on Betty and how she's been doing in Gulp's weird digestive universe, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, wow, what a moment that, you know, he's teaching that class we actually get to see a lot of the the ancient artifacts that we know from the mythical uh, mm-hmm. mytho- mythological artifacts that we know from the show. The armor of Zeldron from Blood Under the Skin. Uh, what is it? Wand of Disbursement from Sons of Mars. The por- Porcelain Lamb from Beyond This Earthly Realm. Uh, there are a lot of really cool little moments there. Mm-hmm. And she probably does the best thing that you could possibly do if you're trying to impress somebody. Go in there with some context. And she goes, hey... I love your book. I've read it. By the way, this vase, here's something that maybe you didn't think about. That you missed, could, yeah. They, those signs on it could be pictographs. Like It could be a clue to help you find Doki's cave like, or cove. I mean, incredible. What a way to impress him. And he kind of joking, like, jokingly not really invites her on that trip. And she just, heck yeah, Takes I'm going. on the offer. Dropping my plans. <laughs> yeah. No, I, so it's I love sweet. it. Again, it, it makes me very excited. I don't think we're going to get too much extra stuff because what we do know about their relationship already from the show um, kind of leads up to this moment where they kind of started dating, really. Like, in that point, I don't think they're, they're going to have to have too much filler of what's going on with Betty and Simon. I think we need to get a lot more, like, loose ends tied with the rest of Betty's story. Um, and what I really, really hope for is Betty's kind of what you don't know is Betty basically becomes magic man spoiler drop mm-hmm. um, that the powers that magic man loses go to Betty. So she kind of becomes insane for a long time. Um, and that Simon's trying to get his old Betty back. And I, I really, really hope that that's how this show just wraps up in general. Hmm. I just, I can't believe Betty's roommate wasn't either one of our lovely of this episode. I mean, don't you, don't you dare make him oh, miss gosh. that bus. Okay. <laughs> was it her roommate or was it her mom? I couldn't really... I, I, I guess it was, it was at roommate. university, so like... Yeah, I thought it, it was just sense. a roommate being like, looking out for her best interests and be like, hey, don't you dare yeah. go up to that bus stop and have a romantic moment. <laughs> and also, you just hit me with a rock and I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm being... <laughs> what a true group. Shout out, shout out to all responsible roommates out there, uh, making yeah. sure your roommates don't do irresponsible things. Yeah, yeah. Oh man! What um, I really love this episode. I thought yeah, it was great. I'd, I I would say yeah, I was telling you before, and we were talking before. I was like, I don't have as much to talk about from just events in this episode, but there was a lot more emotional. I mean, it it shows you the capacity that Adventure Time has created. This like bizarre, crazy, weird universe where all of a sudden you get down to the end of the story, and you're like so invested in how every character like ends up emotionally. And that's, I that's what were, this one is like nailing down. Yeah. I think you were sandbagging a little bit at the beginning of this episode. You, you definitely have more to say than you put on. About I had, their relationship. I had more 
deep thoughts, not necessarily episode. I had last episode with the vampires. I, was like, <laughs> I want to talk about every fucking scene and everything in the yeah. background and every character in the background. This one was a little bit more digestible from a universe perspective, but a yeah. lot of deep emotional stuff. Again, with specifically with what Adventure Time focuses on is relationships. How do we fit into this universe? And pretty much, I love, again, my lesson of this episode Okay. Is what BMO says. And I think it is wonderfully deep. And I love that it's BMO who delivers the line is one is simply helpless without good help around. And I fucking love that. That's great. And I was yeah. like, it's the point of this show is that why do you think there's not just Finn? It's like Finn and Jake. Uh, why do you think it's, it's, it's literally doesn't matter who you are. Like you have to have your, your counterpart. Um, or else you're helpless. Doesn't matter like how good of an adventurer you are. And I forget. Yeah. And, and you know, I got that with with Jackie, and you got that with Allie. And and again, go out there, go out there and find. You know, guys, don't feel like you're helpless. If you, <laughs> you don't have anybody else, hit up our Discord. Hit us our hit up our Patreon. No, and- that's not what this is for. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. You know, again, uh, I will reiterate. You could definitely have adventures on your own that are going to be dope. But yes, you're going to have great adventures on your own. But <laughs> look, Ned um, loves his wife. We get it. We get it. <laughs> I I do. And she is she is she is my Betty to my Simon. So okay, there you go. Very sweet. Uh, Jackie is my. Um, I'm trying to think of another relationship. Magic uh, man. <laughs> she's my magic man to my uh what on Mars, whatever Mars. I can't to remember her name. No, you, you said Jackie. Jackie. No, you mean Allie. Allie. I said Allie, didn't I? No, you said Jackie. I thought you were trying to compare no, my said, wife to somebody in Adventure Time. I think we're I think we're wrong. I don't know. One of us is not understanding. I was trying to say Allie is my, which I thought I said, is my no. <laughs> uh partner to your marbles to your magic Whatever. Man. Yes, yes, that's what I was you trying said to Jackie say. Let's get I really out of did, here. I really did think you were talking about Jackie in relationship with you. And I was like, who is Jackie to Russell's Adventure Time character? That no, would be a funny, funny That was break. unintentional if I did. Um, okay, my lesson is embrace your situation. Betty walking through the river is awesome. And also, as I'm learning, never trust a man named Jerry. Uh, uh, you that never is have. my other lesson. He never has. Uh, no, me. We're good. We're good. Uh, now, do you have? <laughs> we're a, good. Do you have a what do I call it? Uh, traveler's uh, log uh, for us. I do have a traveler. We do have a fun traveler's log for today. We have it coming out straight from DJ Stainless Steel in parentheses steel with an E. Uh, DJ Stainless Stainless Steel says, "I'm a college student from Texas A&M, and I've been listening to y'all for a couple of years now." Dude, shout out for that because we've only been around for a couple of years now. He's. They said I just finished up with y'all's most recent podcast episode over episode five of Fiona and Cake. Russell brought up the point that Barbar, the donkey slash mule, might be taxidermied. It does certainly seem like he could be, but if I think he, I think if he was, if he was his eyes would be the most taxidermied, and if they and they made him look kind of sleepy, plus Farm World Finn was in a barn type room so that's probably where he sleeps and also definitely agree that farm world finn is the number one sexy of that episode no competition so it was a good uh traveler's log reiterating the fact that uh that was a cool little call out to uh farm world finn keeping barbar in his life uh just like that whole farm world episode where he's just like battling the whole destiny gang to the teeth 
to like save Barbar. So yeah, thank you, DJ Stainless Steel. Heck yeah. And also DJ Stainless Steel is in the Discord. If you're curious about the never ending adventure uh, Discord, you got to sign up as Patreon. And I think what we're going to do in a little bit here is probably take the Discord down to uh, all, all members of the Patreon will have access to it as opposed to just people who have the uh, lovelier, sexiest tier of the Patreon. So, but for now, man, I'm about to release episode four of the Patreon, the NEA and Beyond podcast, where me and Ned break down the first episode of Over the Garden Wall, which freaking we loved. It's so good. Yes, Y'all know it's it. Too. We, it was so hard for us not to go into the whole show. We kind of went into the whole show, but we had we were like, oh, can we talk about the end of the show? And we were like, no, we can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, we, we may eventually get through that show on the, the Patreon, but we've definitely got many more ideas. I mean, I'm thinking the next episode, me and Allie are going to talk about maybe our traditions. That, that's something that we really love. We've mm-hmm. got a couple are, of traditions we do every y'all year. Y'all are Halloween tradition people. I've never seen well, somebody yeah. carve pumpkins like you guys. We are, I think, more than Halloween, we are pumpkin tradition people. We carve pumpkins <laughs> very seriously in this house. And for whatever reason, it takes us forever to do it. Uh, but I feel like they always turn out pretty well. But we've got other traditions like candle nights that we celebrate and non-canonical day nights and stuff. And we'll just go into all of that. Non-canonical day nights. Yeah. I love they're, it. They're good. They're good. Check out the Patreon for that. Uh, we've got Discord. The October newsletter is going to be coming out soon. And also, if you sign up with the sexy or lovely tier, you're also going to get a sticker from the NEA and Beyond podcast logo. Yes. So very excited still need about to go that. out. So I think a, yep. lot of, a lot of our subscribers have already submitted reviews, so already have stickers, but we will send another. Yeah, well, but that's another sticker that uh, we need to send out. So we got two different stickers now. Uh, one for the Patreon and one not for the Patreon. So one for reviews for the normal podcast that we'll be sending out as well. Um, y'all, thank you so much. I mean, check us out on Instagram at Neverending Adventure Podcast, TikTok at Neverending Adventure Cast, Twitter at NEA underscore podcast. Email us your thoughts, your opinions. Get on the Traveler's Log. We did the Traveler's Log this episode because it was in relation to the Fiona and Cake episodes. Uh, the other ones are more for the main series, so we'll get back to that after yes. uh, we've finished. Which I think we do. We, yeah, we have a backlog of those for the main series. We do. I think, so yeah, we've got a couple. Uh, Nea travelerslog at gmail dot com. Uh, y'all, freaking awesome! Uh, I got an anti rec this week. Anti rec. Ooh, anti-rec. I like. I, I like your anti recs though. Like, I I feel like you uh, being brutal towards things is almost more fun than you liking things. I think you might like this one. My anti-rec, I'm sorry, Ned, if you do enjoy this, Young Frankenstein is my anti-rec. No, I, you know what? I've not watched it, but I know it's um, Gene Wilder, right? It is, and I, I really like him. I think he's a great, very fun actor. I think what I've realized in this movie, at least, it's not that he's like an incredible performer. It's more that he's just so iconic and how he is and who he is and how he sounds. And I think that's a big part of why I like his acting. It is a very dry, very British humor uh, movie. And it is just so, so dry. And if that's your thing, if repeating jokes over and over again until they're funny is your favorite thing, then by all means, watch Young Frankenstein if you've never seen it. I think you got to watch it. And again, it's my anti-rec. I I didn't super enjoy it. Yeah. I think if you're, again, kind of like all those nostalgic movies, I'm thinking of 
Um, the one where the kids go and find treasure, which I'm not yep. a big a fan stand of. Stand by me. Yeah. No, I not love Stand by Me. Not oh, you're talking about the Goonies. The Goonies. If you if yeah, you like yeah. the Goonies, if you like the one the Princess Bride, those movies are amazing. If you watched them when you were eight years old, this is an amazing film. If you watched it when you were eight years old, so mm. I didn't. Therefore, it's not for me. Um, now, what's your rec? <laughs> My rec this week comes off of, um, first of all, I love the movie Seven. Um, this is not my recommendation this week. Uh, my wife had never seen the movie, and we watched it um, when we were on our trip up to Asheville. She freaking loved it. That's a great movie, and it prompted us to watch the movie Memento, which is Christopher Nolan's second movie he ever came out with. It's a story shown through a movie and the whole story is told backwards. So like every scene of the movie goes backwards. You have, like every next scene is the scene that technically happened before the scene before. It is a mind trip. Um, but it, it definitely puts even like early, I think that movie came out in 2001 was Memento. And it, it shows you that Christopher Nolan was doing the whole like screenplay and uh, director on a level that like, I don't think cinema was like ready for at the time, except for they had like the fun trippiness of like fight club before that. Um, it reminds me kind of of the fight club. Uh, it's got a little bit of a pulp fiction vibe to it for sure too. Um, but it's yeah, fantastic movie. Go into it blind. We're going to have to watch it a second time because it's so trippy, but yeah, fantastic fun, especially in spooky season when you want some like psychological thriller type movies. Yeah, right on. Well, dude, that's great. Good freaking episode. Good freaking uh, episode. I can't wait for the next one. I'm very excited to see where I'm, we're going I, after this. We've got two more, and I was like, I, oh, I could actually, I feel like they could just make a whole nother like 20 episodes just yeah. stemming off of where we're like based. And I was like, I don't know how they're going to get this all in two more episodes. So like, I'm. It's got to be another I'm, season. It's got to oh, be another that's season. Open man. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully they've seen how this has gotten some traction and they're like, okay, yeah. we'll give y'all another one. Dude, I, I sure hope so. Y'all, thank you so much for joining us and sticking around this episode. Uh, man, just party forever. Oh, I, you know, you know what? I love that you guys.